So, welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod, episode five. <coughs> it is episode five. I can't believe we've actually got to episode five. I know. I'm quite quite pleased with us. Brilliant. Yeah, we're getting really um, consistent in our recording. Yep, kept the little schedule so yes, far. We have indeed. Right. So today, I thought we would do a topic that's quite close to my heart, and that is a little bit of myth-busting and uh, essentially trying to tackle some of the misinformation around animals, um, particularly some that I'm very fond of, and some of the sort of ideas that people have about these animals that's just, frankly, wrong. Um, And a few of them are harmless, but some of them actually end up being quite damaging to that wildlife in general. I like the sound of that. But first, as always, a little (laughs) catch-up. Fuck was that? It was the spring on. <laughs> That's going to be a big cut out yeah. bit, that one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I might leave that in, actually, because yeah. that's actually really funny. It was the spring on the um, on the microphone boom, as just for some reason, just randomly pinged. pinged and it went straight through <clears throat> my headphones. Yeah, I might have to leave that in, because it's actually quite funny. Um, right, yes, yes, catch so. up. So, what have we been up to? <sighs> Hey, I've been having a great time since the last. Yeah, I don't have a huge amount to catch up on, so I think this is a this is a catch up I, for you. I've been to a place that I wanted to go to for quite a while, probably since the time um, Chris Packham mentioned it. Chris Packham was a it's one of his favourite places, and he mentioned it a few times um, on Spring Watch and Autumn Watch. Uh, a place in Norfolk called uh, Wellney, and it's WWT, the Wetlands Centre, uh, Wellney. So. Um, yeah, so we went and spent a weekend there. Um, and got some very nice oh, photographs. <clears throat> unbelievable. What a, what a fantastic place. So much wildlife. I've never seen so many kestrels and so many marsh harriers. We, we get marsh harriers here. We're down in West Sussex. Um, we do get them here on the odd uh, nature reserve. Yeah, we like saw them in Pulver- Keyhaven Pulver- as well. Brooks, we saw them at Keyhaven. Um, but not, not very many. Well, for two days... I just was falling over marsh areas. They were hunting in twos and threes, and everywhere we looked, there was a marsh area somewhere. And the same with kestrels. I've never seen so many kestrels hovering over a, over the fields, and it was fantastic. But aside from that, um, so many uh, waterfowl coming in for the for the winter, like the Buick swans and the Hooper swans, a snipe I'd never seen before, ruff, which I'd never seen before. Um, you also saw cranes? And cranes, which was an incredible thing. Um, there is a, a very small resident population in Norfolk of cranes, and it's only a very small resident population, and they kind of flip in between the nature reserves there, so they're not never in one place for very long. And so they're not always at Welney, but they have been seen at Welney, and we were really lucky because we saw them on both days, and on the second day in particular, um, I think a a flock of I think it's a flock of cranes I don't know what the collective for crane a collective of cranes Mm. Um, and there was about 50 in this group and they flew over and the the sound they made was just amazing gave me goosebumps and then they they it was a very windy day and they came in really quickly on this wind and then the whole flock turned into the wind and literally floated down like little parachutists. That's so cool. And it was such an incredible thing to see. So we were very lucky and we had a fantastic time and the staff and the people at Wellney were just delightful. Oh, and we had an added bonus that so we bumped into to Yolo Williams. Yes, yeah. Um, which made your mum go giddy in the knees. Yeah, I got the picture with him. 
she was very giddy seeing Yolo and got a picture and he was just lovely. He was so friendly. Yeah, and like I've, I've said to you, he <clears> did come up to Bangor to give a few talks um, for just bird-related talks. I think there was a... I don't think it was University Bird Watching Society. I think it was a North Wales... Yeah. Uh, but they just used one of the Bangor lecture rooms. And so I've listened to a couple of his talks and he just seemed like such a lovely Lo- man. Lovely guy. And in fact, the staff at Welney didn't even know he was turning up. It was not a, a, a sort of a set thing that he was doing he just turned up with a group of friends and walked around we, we must have seen him about four or five times in the day walking around with field scopes and and chatting away and yeah he was lovely really friendly and asked us what we'd seen and yeah um well if you go over people are listening go over to your instagram account they'll see what you've seen um yes barn owls yeah everything we we would literally been there 10 minutes and a barn owl just went right across our field of view Not and i managed to get a photo. shot yeah it was great so yeah. yes, Wellney, I was I was blown away by the place. I was Absolutely very jealous. Fantastic place. And I was here cat sitting for you. You were. I was very grateful. <laughs> I was watching barn owls and marsh areas, and you were feeding the cats, having them bite my feet in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So yes. So that's what I've been up to. I haven't really been up to much wildlifey wise. Weather in Southampton hasn't been great. A lot of the insects have disappeared, so I haven't actually been out with the camera for for a little while so i don't have anything particularly uh, of note right um other than the fact that i'm reading a book called uh forget me not yeah i think it's discovering the climate lost climate change species of britain something along those lines by sophie pavel and i'll just say that i'm about halfway through and thoroughly enjoying it yes i'm two chapters into that and it's it's beautifully written and uh yeah a great read yeah, so apart from that, I don't really have too much catch-up. Well, we'll crack so on then, shall we? crack on to some wildlife myth-busting. Well, yeah, and the first one, false widow spiders. This is really your bag, isn't it? Yeah. This is I, your thing. I will take the rain with this one. Yeah. It's a topic that I've spoken about quite a few times, <laughs> yeah. um, whether as an entomology society talk. Um, Sean, if you're listening, I know we were, we were going to do a whole podcast once on this very topic uh, because it's something that we both uh, are quite passionate about. And so for those of you who don't know, we have a few spiders in the UK commonly referred to as false widows. Most people only know of them because every year, probably, you see a news article, typically by the Daily Star, uh, the Sun, Daily Express, one of those sorts of newspapers, and it will say something along the lines of, deadly spider bites woman, she loses her arm. I've actually seen a few recently. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been there's yeah. been a few reports. There's been one saying deadly spiders invade British shores. They've been here for a long time. Uh, there's normally one about it shutting down a school, somebody losing a limb, something very dramatic along those lines, and it will be a picture of a false widow and some ridiculous headline. I've got a fact about that, actually. They've actually been here for over 100 years. They were supposedly brought in on a banana boat or something yeah. about 100 years ago, and they've been here ever since. But they've been a much, they've been lots, sorry, much more prevalent since the 1980s is when they sort oh, okay. of really got a stronghold. Yeah. Uh, and and they're, they're mainly around um, the south coast, but a bit like a lot of other invasive species, they're spreading north as, as the climate warms up. But essentially, they're the three main species you get, they belong to a genus called Steatoda. And so we've got three of them. Uh, they all have their own common names, but the one that you typically see in the headlines is what's called the noble false widow or Steatoda nobilis. Yeah. And it is the biggest of, of the, um, the false widows. And it is one of only a handful of spiders in the UK that sort of get big enough to bite. So they, they do bite, but it takes quite a lot of effort to make them bite. They're not, like, they're not no, aggressive. In fact, in fact, the females are saying are very 
sluggish actually yeah. it's quite solitary and they they're very non-aggressive i mean we've around the houses that i've grown up in and around your house currently they are everywhere yeah. um we and, had a few in our garage in the last yeah. house actually didn't we and so the, i i do remember reading a paper where somebody was trying to like actually that might be in the actual black widow where they were trying to see how much like irritation you had to provide the spider with to force it to bite you and it's a lot more than you would think but they get mistaken for widows because they have a bit of a pattern on their back that sort of resembles a red back widow from yeah. Australia. Uh, but So they can bite, and rarely, but if they do, it can cause a bit of localised pain, maybe a bit of swelling. It's sort of akin to a wasp sting. Yes. And it, it's not dangerous. They they lack the really toxic venom that your actual widow spiders have. So your typical widow spiders being your black widow or your Australian redback belong to a genus called Latrodectus, and they have a toxin called Latrotoxin. Yeah. So it's named after that spider. And that's the thing that makes those spiders potentially dangerous. Um, it's a strong neurotoxin. These spiders don't have it. So they are, they can bite, a wasp can sting. They're not dangerous at all. When you... I, I, did, I did read there's actually been no cases in the world of anybody dying from a bite from a false widow spider no. they've said sometimes people will get a, an allergic reaction a bit like a bee sting you yeah get a, was it anaphylactic shock re- yeah reaction. some people are quite allergic it's a bit so you, like it, i think the well. only times when it's got you know relatively serious is when someone's had an allergic reaction yeah. to it but no there's been no recorded cases of anybody ever dying no. from a from a bite from and a false widow spider. Yeah, and so it's one of those things where the media likes to latch onto it. People do sometimes go to hospital and claim that whatever's happening to their skin is because of a spider bite. But unless you turn up with the spider in the jar, yeah. you can't confirm yeah. that. And normally, so their venom isn't what's called a necrotic venom. And that's what causes things like, essentially it's like dead tissue, yes. like rotting tissue. They don't have that sort of venom. So when you see an article that says woman was bitten and her arm came off... <laughs> it's not possible. Most of the time, if the bite becomes worse than, like like I say, like a wasp sting, it's from a secondary infection. If it hasn't been kept clean or something. Yes, or well, they've scratched it. Yeah, and, it's not yeah. the spider venom. It's a bacterial itself. infection or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's a bit like there's a very famous case for the um, white-tailed spider in Australia, which at some point in history had a hugely bad reputation for being one of the most dangerous spiders in the world and it's not but it was a misconception and it was tied into this necrotic problem that people were having yeah. and it wasn't actually the yeah. spider and yeah they are completely harmless uh, i mean we have 650 species of spider just in britain and only about 12 of them can bite and none of them are dangerous right. at all yeah apparently um apparently bees kill 10 people a year on average in the uk I mean, yeah, I imagine that's a lot of allergic Mostly reactions. Mostly from allergic yeah. reactions, and false widow spiders don't kill anybody. No. So. And yet people aren't terrified of them. So, the, the so main... are you listening to this, The Sun newspaper? <laughs> it's, the Sun, Daily Express and Daily Star are, are, the, are the famous ones. And it's never something, obviously it's not going to be something simple, it's never like, oh, somebody got bitten by a spider and it hurts. It's always something like, close down a school. Yes, it's very woman melodramatic, lost isn't it? <laughs> or invasive spiders coming to kill us all. So the point is, if you find a nice spider with a big abdomen and a pretty pattern on it, it is completely harmless. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop yelling at the false widows, because it, it just adds to this idea that spiders are something to be feared. And apart from Well, being... I think it is, isn't it? Isn't it one of them? Biggest phobias in the world. Yeah. Is it the number one phobia in the world? The I, fear I of spiders? Know, I think but it's it got to be, be up there. And I think it might be. I do remember reading like 
something to do with why evolution might cause that sort of fear you know they're quite angular there are venomous ones in the, yes. in the world uh, they're typically quite dark and fast moving and so it's something that from an animal point of view they are predators it's something that you might be justified in being scared of if you're a hunter gatherer sticking your hand into the outback or something like that but in the uk they're all completely fine even in australia where you actually have dangerous spiders the number of deaths is is barely anything so it this media coverage of them adds to the stigma that spiders are something to be feared or killed. I guess they got right about something, and they do like to dramatise stuff. Yeah. So that's the first first myth I wanted to yeah. cover. The false like widows that. in the UK are completely harmless. They aren't native, um, but they're they sort of here to stay now. Um, if you live in the south, you will have them in your garden, probably in your house. Um, but they are they're not something to worry about. And if you do see a headline in a tabloid newspaper claiming that somebody's lost a limb. Uh, they really they, they haven't. Re- they really haven't. And if they have, it's not because of a spider. Right, okay. Well, that's a myth buster. Yeah. I like that one. I, I like that one as well. Yeah. Because they You've are... wanted to get that off your chest have, for a yeah. while. They are, they're, one of, they're stunning spiders as well. Yeah. And I just think it's unfair. Do you feel liberated now? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> it bothers me. Yeah, it's been... Brewing up in you for a while, but yeah. that's that's good. So what's the next one then we're going to talk about? So we're going to talk a little bit about badgers. Okay. And this is a bit of a different sort of misconception. And it's sort of linked to TB and cattle. That's and, bovine TB, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so typically when badgers make the news, it's because of the cull that's going on. And it's always been quite controversial, but it does still tend to happen. And the cull is essentially supposed to stop badgers from carrying bovine TB and spreading it between yes. cattle farms. Yeah. Um, that That's the point of it. But the, the science would show that badgers are not the main cause of the transmission of bovine TB. Actually, looking into this, and I didn't realise the quite the... Uh, the facts and figures and we're not going to bombard you with too many of yeah, them. Yeah, we're going to make this one a little bit lighter. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realise quite how much evidence there is for the fact that badgers don't spread bovine TB. Um, Yeah, so biologically they can, but it's just not very likely. And the vast majority, I think we both have the same stats, around 94% of cattle infections come from cow-to-cow contact and not badger-to-cow contact. Yeah, I have got that stat here. And unbelievably, I think a lot of evidence points towards culling badgers increasing transmission. What I don't understand, though, is why... The government, and obviously it's a government directive to do this culling, um, why they're not looking at the scientific evidence? Because the cull is continuing, and it's going to continue until, I've read, until 2025. And what's even more shocking is that the directive, there apparently there are 61 active areas of badger culling in this country which they deem necessary. Yeah. There's 61 active areas. And apparently the UK government aims to cull... 70 to 90 percent of the badger population in those active areas and once they've done that by 2025 that's going to result in 72 percent of the total badger population having been culled i know it's devastating and i don't understand them doing that when all the scientific evidence points to the fact that what they should be doing is cattle testing and and aiming all of their or most of their resources towards regular and consistent testing of cattle because 
and 94% of bovine TB is spread from cow to yeah. cow and vaccination, and so, but they're not doing that. So why is that? It, it's, it's one of those difficult things where I imagine there's probably lots of admin red tape paperwork loop. I mean, it's a real rabbit hole. You could say, why aren't they pushing towards renewable energy? It's just, it's a difficult thing to do to get them all yeah, to listen scientific to the science. evidence is scientific evidence. It doesn't seem to always <laughs> Is it not? No, not, not no. when it comes to legislation change. So, you know, you've got, you've got these government officials, whoever they may be in charge of looking at this, and they're sitting around a table, and in front of them, they've got scientific evidence that says, actually, it's cow to cow. No, no, we're going to cull the badgers. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> We're just going to kill the badgers. Neither of us are particularly experienced in what it's like. I can only assume true. that perhaps maybe there are government officials that see the scientific evidence, but the effort to then take it up the channels to the point where something changes is just a very slow process. Yeah, and I've got to but, admit, there's, there, there's obviously an awful lot more involved in the decision yeah. to cull badgers which we're unaware of and, and and we are you know we can only we can only talk about the things that we can yeah. research and we can find out i'm sure there's more to it than that however every bit of research that i've done the the conclusion seems to be the same is yeah, that think- is that the scientific evidence proves that the majority the majority of badgers that have been culled were TB free. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is baffling. It's not effective, and it does result in mass killings of one of our. I mean, they're absolutely stunning um, animals. Uh, and so you do have organisations like the the Wildlife Trust, Sussex in particular, because it's quite big in Sussex. The Sussex Wildlife Trust campaign very hard to stop it. Yeah. And they they're not campaigning to stop it with no alternatives. The the two the two things that you can do is vaccinate the cows and vaccinate yeah. the badgers. One problem they have with vaccinating cows is it disrupts the testing. So vaccinated cows, when you then test them for TB, it can be difficult to work out if you're picking up the uh, vaccine okay. or the TB sense. itself. Yeah. Uh, but the other option is actually vaccinating badgers, um, and that then instead of killing but, them. So it's interesting because lots they propose that as a as an alternative, and I, and I think it's something that is being pushed forward. But they're still not the main reason that it's transmitted. But it, it might stop them from being killed, sure, yeah. essentially. But yeah, there, there's a, a very prevailing idea that badgers are the main cause of spreading bovine t- TB. And it, it is simply not true. And, and unfortunately, this is one of those cases where the misinformation or not updated information, because maybe before the research had come out, that was what they thought. It, the sort of general idea hasn't been updated to allow for the scientific research the fact that they are not the main transmitters. And it's a very strange directive aimed at what is effectively a protected species. Yeah. The badger is a protected species. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite <laughs> and, so, a... and so contradiction or... Oh, I don't know, honestly. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot a I don't understand. One, but yeah, so as, as a general idea throughout the population, there's, I think that link... I, I remember learning about it back in like... GCSE biology uh, that that they are linked to that and they're simply not the main thing to worry about No, and if you want to find out a little bit more about that then the Badger Trust Yeah, and the um, Sussex Wildlife Trust and the Sussex Wildlife Trust are two great resources to go and read a bit more about Again, we'll stick it in in the show notes and and you'll you'll often see Spring Watch and especially people like Chris Packham very vocal about trying to stop the cull and so around the, the time when it starts occurring um, the social media campaigns do tend to pick up, and so a lot of information ends up being channeled through through those yes. resources. I know Chris Packham is very vocal about badger culling. Yeah. So there you go, badgers. Not, so that's badgers. nothing to worry about when it comes to TV. 
Also, they are beautiful, and oh, they love stunning. peanut butter sandwiches. Yes, we we learned that, didn't we? Yeah, uh, they're very noisy eaters, though. <laughs> yes, they are, but they're, it's, it's, they're stunning creatures. On a on a completely separate note, it's quite funny because if you look at the European badger versus the American badger, our badger looks all cute and cuddly, like it might bring you to its woodland hut for a nice cup of tea. The American badger looks like it's going to stab you in a back alley. They look so <laughs> aggressive and it's they're so oh, really? different I looking. Seen, I haven't seen the Ours American badger. have such a, like a Hufflepuff logo yeah. sort of stig- uh, like view to them. Cute and cuddly yeah. little woodland creature. And then the American badgers look like they've, they're on something. <laughs> it looks like Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which always makes me laugh. Right. Okay. Spiders down. Badgers done. Yeah. Onto the beaver. Oh, one of my favourite things. Yeah, I haven't seen them in the UK. I've seen them in France. I think we spoke about them in the rewilding episode. Well, I've just read recently they've introduced them at the Nepa State. Yes. And that's about 15 minute drive from where we are here. I, I wanted to go down to Cornwall to, to see them. So, uh, I don't. Would, yeah, again, I've only ever seen them in, in a. We saw them in a sort of little waterway in France, didn't we, briefly? Yeah. Um, they're a lot bigger than you'd think. Yeah, and I, I think they're. Incredible, and again, um, oh, I watched a program. Was it? A, I think it was an autumn watch because they introduced them up at Wild Ken Hill, one of my favourite subjects, as you know, if you've listened to previous podcasts from the Birdie Bug Pod. Um, Wild Ken Hill, they've got them there, and they did a whole thing about them, and uh, amazing, the just amazing yeah, creatures. Incredible. Uh, engineers of the environment. I actually saw a, a lovely video on Instagram, and it was in a uh, like recovery. Uh, centre where they're taking injured animals or ill animals and nursing them back to health before releasing them to the wild and they had this beaver I don't know why it was in there but it was obviously being treated for something and it had its own little room and it just started to build a dam across the doorway they are amazing because it they, just can't help itself yeah they call them ecosystem engineers yeah. and they are amazing there was no water they're just like this doorway needs to be dammed yeah. they're, they're great <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so the misconception around beavers is interesting because it's not, I don't think, one that's like spread through the population. Um, it's it's quite a niche one, but weirdly, people seem to think they eat fish. Yeah, that yeah. is a big misconception. Yeah. and they don't. They are completely they are vegetarians. totally vegetarian. Uh, and but the reason why I wanted to talk about this one is, along with a couple of other things, which I think we'll touch on, it's actually been one of the ideas or, or reasons that has slowed down their reintroduction. Yeah. Normally from fishermen who don't want the fish stocks depleted if you reintroduce beavers. And it's it's baffling because they don't eat fish. And most evidence points to them creating a much healthier ecosystem yeah, for fish. Yeah, they're, they're very beneficial to fish, actually, Yeah, which we'll touch on in a minute. So it, it seems weird. And I say it's not like the spider one. The spider uh, myth sort of hits mainstream media and lots of people are scared of them or, or think they're dangerous. This is quite a niche one around rewilding, often around farmers or fishermen who just for some whether or not they believe it or they're using it as a reason to try and stop the reintroduction it is if you i mean i googled it to check that i wasn't making this up and there are tens of articles about saying no beavers don't eat fish so it is something that people believe enough for that to be necessary yeah and i think the thing around the fishermen also is is to do with the salmon as well because they think obviously the beavers are damming the rivers up which is stopping the salmon the migrating salmon's coming up to spawn and actually that's not true either no in general they are just beautifully beneficial for an ecosystem unbelievable uh unbelievably beneficial for the for the environment and, and for the, us and for us and the the 
you know very quickly they can transform an area into a wetland and area that is so biodiverse it's yeah. incredible the, i think it was the beaver trust who released this really cool little interactive uh animated ecosystem like it was a drawn out bit of river and then you could hit like a time span for how long it's been since yeah. beavers were there and it would show you the change they'll do and how it would increase the diversity of fish birds insects the creative wetlands uh, yes. are brilliant flood defences for us. They're a really good natural flood yeah. uh, built, like defence. And they're also one of the most biodiverse habitats yeah. in the, on the planet. Wetland areas are just incredible. Yeah, and so this idea that they might eat the fish or prevent the fish from successfully migrating is, is simply not true. No, and they've got so many benefits to the actual water quality as well. They they reduce siltration and in in the rivers. Yeah, well, the the dams pick up the sediment so, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So they effectively clean the water. They filter the water really well. Um, obviously, the flood defences is a really good thing. But they also stir up all sorts of um, stuff from the bottom of the rivers, which increases the nutrients. The nutrients, which attracts not only. Um, uh, more fish it attracts uh, invertebrates and all sorts of feeding on those coming up to the surface it's also it's just all benefit from what yeah. i can see away from the river the coppicing that they do in the trees Natural creates coppicing. a fantastic yeah. habitat for beetle larvae yeah. and invertebrates that like essentially rotting bits of wood and yeah. stuff like that they, well, they do again... natural coppicing which also lets in light yeah, to the, the forest. forest floor i mean there is nothing other than benefits yeah. didn't you it. have some norway facts about well beavers? no they were saying going back to this um point about the salmon and stopping the salmon um coming up through the rivers it, it, the biggest thing that's stopping the salmon coming up through the rivers is the overfishing of salmon they're not actually starting the journey on the rivers in the first place that's another podcast in its own right another rant you podcast which we will touch on someday um no they were saying that there's a big population of Nor of uh, beavers in norway and they've done quite a few studies out there on whether they can coexist together beavers and salmon and the, again all the conclusions that are drawn point to the fact that there is absolutely no evidence that beavers in the same area as fish have any effect on the fish population i mean obviously as far as reducing yeah. the fish population all it seems to be is that they very happily coexist together yeah and i mean salmon famously jump yeah. over obstacles yeah um yeah they do that very well yeah. actually and it, i mean it's important to remember that salmon and especially in the uk maybe not so much obviously in, in norway where they're still prevalent beavers sort of went extinct because we hunted them yes we but hunted them prior to extinction. that salmon and our fish evolved with beavers in the ecosystem yeah, so they evolved together yeah so if if beavers had been detrimental to a species that species probably wouldn't be yes. around anymore because That's they a good point and so the fact they co-evolved in these habitats means that their behaviors are, must be quite well aligned Otherwise, one of them wouldn't... Well, the beaver would have lasted because there's no reason why the salmon would cause the beaver to go extinct. But if the beaver dam building stopped them migrating and they were still prevalent, then the salmon wouldn't be. And so that should be enough. And people can argue that our rivers and our habitats are very different to how they were historically. We've straightened a lot of rivers. Um, we've changed the depth of a lot of rivers for essentially travelling up and down yeah. them. Uh, but the fact that the salmon are still 
pregnant. Uh, they struggle sometimes, but they are still here. The reintroduction of beavers shouldn't be the the thing that causes salmon to have difficulties. If it's going to be anything, it, it will be what we're doing to the rivers and, yes. and not the beavers. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. And yeah, they're, they're, like I said, um, they're, 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 inc- they're incredible animals. And the, the, the effect that they have on the environment so quickly, the beneficial effects so quickly. What was that? There was a Instagram page that you sent me about oh, I was can't it remember. Map- Mapperton or something like yeah, that yeah I think it might be Mapperton and they they introduced beavers into this little area and they were posting up on Instagram um, regular updates on the effect that these beavers had had and within literally it was within a week what they'd done in a week was just you think they can't sleep yeah they are beavers. incredibly they, productive they've created a dam they'd taken down a few trees they'd built these they dammed up this river it was uh, it was incredible absolutely yeah. amazing what they've done I, I within a week or two um i, I always great things re- re- great things recommend going to have a look at the beaver trust website or where they have all these little video snippets because yeah. there's something quite incredible about watching them build down because they're very particular about where every little yeah. stick goes oh and they're, it's just, they're brilliant yeah. this is brilliant so master builders they are they're yeah. brilliant so the idea that they are they could be bad for our fish or they could eat our fish is just again simply not true I actually in my notes I had beavers this is a simple one people seem to think they eat fish they don't <laughs> so we could have cut it quite short actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I love them they're, they're fantastic I think so those were the big three that we sort of wanted to cover the the, the spiders the badgers and the beavers yeah but I, I think each of us have collected a few other little uh, myths or misconceptions about animals that we're yeah, fond of. Yeah, a few, uh, a few animals that are sort of maligned and yeah, misconceptions around them. Given people, a bad rep, given a bad name, and given a bad rep. Yeah, and I mean one of the ones that I have got there, which every I think everybody probably moans about, are flies. Yeah, you know everyone. Flies are just a pain, aren't they? I think they, as soon as yeah. they come in the house, you want to kill them. As soon as you want them out or or dead i mean if you go over to my my instagram we're going to plug both of us this podcast uh i give them a lot of love you do give them a lot of love i think they're stunning yeah and they are stunning creatures but they are also i don't think people realize just how beneficial flies are they're fantastic pollinators as good as bees they are responsible for pollinating just as much as bees are and they pollinate some incredible things actually apples strawberries carrots black peppers coriander are all pollinated by flies. But the one I'm going to say, which I thought I'd been really good and found this fact that you didn't know, but it turns out you did know it, is that flies, particularly biting midgets, which are caught our flies, yeah. are one of the very few pollinators of chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate, it's a plant. Yeah, it's the cocoa. Yeah, cocoa. They are one of the few animals that pollinate chocolate. So no flies... No chocolate. So yeah. that's got to make people have them, give them a little bit yeah, more respect. I, yeah, admittedly, I, I, I was aware of that You did know fact. that one. I read... I was gutted when there's I, a fantastic, you found out, I found out that you knew uh, that one. A fantastic book that if you want to appreciate flies called The Secret Life of Flies. And it's written by um, Dr. Erica McAllister, who's a fly expert. I think she works at the Natural History Museum. I met her. She came up to Bangor University to give a talk for our society and very kindly signed my book. And her whole that whole book is about trying to appreciate flies yeah and that was one of the facts that she put in one of like the first chapters which is why i i knew it one of the things i find interesting this isn't a myth or anything but um people often tote that beetles are the most 
specious group of animals on Earth. Yeah. So there, I think there's something like I get this wrong, like three hundred seventy thousand species of beetle, and it's meant to be the the group of animals that has the most species. However, there are estimates that flies are actually more. There are more species of flies than beetles, but they haven't received the attention because a lot of our discovery especially when it comes to beetles and butterflies and birds, yeah. comes from the Victorians loving yes. to go out and capture them. Beetles are very pretty. There are loads of stunning beetles that have been pinned, and so they receive a lot of focus, a bit like butterflies, Yes. whereas flies didn't. And they reckon that actually if we were, if we knew every single species on the planet, there would be more flies than there are well, beetles. Well, I've got a stat there, and I don't know whether this is true or not. I can't remember. I think it might have been the Natural History museum website which was a fascinating that had a fascinating article about flies on it and i'm pretty sure this came from there there are more species of flies in the uk than there are mammals on the planet yeah that makes sense that's a really i good, mean there's only that's really good though, yeah I, I, again i need to try and remember my my first year lectures i think there's only five thousand species of mammals I think it's mammals in total. Yeah, I mean, across the world, yeah. there's like, I think there's 5,000 species. Yeah. When if you think there's then 360,000 species of beetle, yeah. it puts it, there aren't that many that many mammals. Yeah. So it makes sense that... But they are also unbelievably good at eating waste yeah, and reducing are. waste. And and that in itself, if, if there weren't flies, it would be a pretty messy world, yeah. actually. It really would. It'd be a pretty smelly world as well because they are fantastic waste disposal creatures. Yeah, they are cracking. Creatures. So, so give them some love. Give them some love. Actually, a bit of fly love. staying on the topic of flies, I had one, but a bit more specific. Go on. So crane flies... People, people, Daddy long legs. Nah, see, people. <laughs> that's, that's what a, we was always taught. That that's another rant. Grew of mine up with them being daddy long legs. Didn't we? Daddy long legs is used to refer to a crane fly, a harvestman, and a cellar spider. And that's, oh, I didn't know that. I always thought a daddy long legs was a crane fly, and I didn't know. I've it was... seen people call harvestman, which is another arachnid, yeah. but not a spider, and cellar spiders, which are the ones you see in your house with really thin bodies and long legs. Falcus phalangoides is their scientific name. They're brilliant because they're spider-hunting spiders. It's, it's all very interesting. They're also... So there's three potential oh, daddy long that. legs. To is, me, a daddy long legs is always a crane fly. Um, so I thought this was something that just went around my school. But again, after Googling it, it turns out there are loads of articles. So I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy and it's not a niche thing. But there was a weird rumour when I was in sort of primary junior school age that crane flies had the most potent venom on the planet. They just didn't have, they, they weren't big enough to bite us. So they couldn't pierce the skin yeah. or whatever, yeah. And so it, people, kids ended up being all scared of them. And it was like that thing, that, oh, don't you know that they're actually the most venomous? And they're not. The adult crane fly doesn't really have a proper functioning mouth. They, they eat a lot as a, as a larva, as a leather jacket yeah. in, in the grass and in, in your garden. And then the, the adults typically mate and, and lay eggs and, and die. So they don't have any venom at all. But... Yeah, I, I googled it because I thought, again, it might be something I've made up, but it's, it's all over the internet articles saying, no, they're not. But for some reason, there was this idea when I was a kid that they were really venomous and, no, nope, completely harmless. Again, I've actually done a few photographs of them recently, and I'd never photographed them before. And again, they're beautiful. Absolutely yeah, beautiful stunning. Crane flies. We have a lot more species of them in the UK than I thought. And, I can't remember and leather jackets, so they're really good. For, starlings eat a lot of them out yeah. on the lawn, don't they? They're really good food for yeah, birds. Are. So again, another little little fly misconception. Okay, well, I've got a few others here. I've got wasps. I love a wasp. Again, wasp people, they're just an irritating thing, aren't they? But again, fantastic pollinators and fantastic for your garden. Great they, pest control. Great pest control. A aphid, green fly, 
all sorts of things and they are brilliant pollinators. I've also got down on my list gulls. Wait, hold on, before you move on from oh, wasps, okay. Go on. quickly, hornets. Oh, hornets, yeah. So I think we spoke about it when we don't, I said... don't see hornets very often I've seen here. quite a few recently mm. in my area in Hampshire. and I think Obviously I, not as widespread as As wasps. a normal wasp. Yeah. And, and I, I think I mentioned it in one of the catch-ups when I'd seen the hoverfly hornet, or the hornet hoverfly. Um, but the hornet itself is... Um, quite magnificently large compared to the rest of our insects. Like when you see one, they they almost look out of place because we don't have anything quite so bulky flying around. Beautiful. Though. They are stunning. Mm. Again, people are f- scared of them. They're a massive wasp, but they're actually known for being very gentle giants. Whereas the the typical wasp, they they do sting quite readily if you irritate them enough. Hornets tend to be quite gentle, docile they'll walk on your hand they're very chilled animals but they just they they have quite a threatening appearance but again that i should imagine their stings quite quite probably not um, very nice no quite um aggressive i've always been a little bit curious about it Mm. and i always laughed at the schmidt pain index which was schmidt justin schmidt i think his name was was an entomologist who decided to get stung by as many different insects as possible oh, I think so I that read he about could that. rank their pain like the bullet ant yeah and... so bullet ant and tarantula hawk wasp are two of the most painful and so he had his own little index and i always thought that was really stupid what was the one where you get bitten and you get a permanent erection for no oh, that's a Brazilian <laughs> wandering spider oh yeah that's a spider isn't it <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to put that That's, into it. I mean, it probably is uh, a painful bite, but he didn't test spiders, to be fair. It was only insect oh, stings. Okay. Um, and I always thought he was just a nutter, but having been stung by a wasp and not a hornet, part of me is curious as to, is it really that? Is it so you've got to go and bait a hornet to yeah. get it to, to, to sting you. No one's done it for spiders, so mm. maybe I should go and do the Matthew Payne index of which spider <laughs> bite hurts the yeah, most. You're welcome to do that. I'm not going to join you on that one. Anyway, think. you wanted to chat about gulls. Oh, gulls. Because gulls are getting, getting a very bad press and have done for a while. They steal your chips. They steal your chips, but then don't sit in their territory on the beach with a bag of chips. You know, it's simple, I isn't it? I did get attacked by them on um, Clandudno Beach. I bought some donuts, and my friends told me not to open the packet, and I opened the packet, and it was it was a I had to sacrifice two. Yeah, but inf- effectively, we've invaded their space, yeah, we haven't have. we? I love a gull. We've invaded their space with sugary goodness and and chips, you know, yeah. and and you know what you what what are they going to do? But apart from that, they're fantastic birds. They are so adaptable. They've learned to adapt to so many different environments to survive and thrive. They also mate for life. They're fantastic parents. They're also quite clever. And they're very, very smart. And very, you know, we, we again, we, we berate them for being aggressive. and But actually, they just want food. And we're tempting them with all sorts of food. And we have also damaged their normal food supply. And we've completely damaged their own food supply. So, you know, what do we expect? You know, it's our fault, not theirs. So leave them alone. I love them. I, I do, absolutely I love them. I spend so much time photographing gulls on my local beach they're so smart if you watch a, a gull and i've watched crows do it as well opening up a shellfish where they will will get a um uh one in their mouth and then go up vertically drop, and drop them onto the stones and it's they're so smart and so fantastic to watch and so acrobatic and beautiful they have a stunning lot of character and got loads of character so to, yeah back off the gulls because we really like them 
Um, have you got anything else? No, I mean, I, I could always just go down the line of all insects. People seem to have an issue with them, and I love them. Oh, I thought them. we were going to talk about adders as well, because adders, oh, yeah. I think, I adders think have been get getting a bad, a bad press. People think they're aggressive. People think that, you know, that this they're is, evil. This is also sort <laughs> that of... That was a thing that somebody said they were evil. Yeah. They were the, they were the devil's animal or something. Well, obviously, <laughs> snakes have quite a lot of those, that connotation yeah. anyway. And this is more similar to my false widow myth, where people think they might be dangerous yeah um so the bite of an adder it's not it they are our only venomous snake they don't typically uh cause too much harm to like an adult if if an adult uh man or an adult person was bitten by an adder you're not likely to need medical attention unless you have an allergic reaction yeah they can be potentially uh or it could potentially do some harm to a younger or a smaller person or famously dogs. Yeah, dogs dogs disturb them quite a lot. However, the, the biggest point being they are really very shy mm. and they're very sensitive to vibrations in the ground. So if you're clomping along on a hike, they're more likely to disappear. As somebody who's gone out looking very specifically you've, for adders... You've looked a lot, actually, haven't some, you? Some, some mm. days you find a lot, but typically they mm. aren't... You're they're not very falling elusive. over them. So the idea that they're out to get you... Yeah, no, it's absolute rubbish. They are very elusive and very secretive animals. And, you know, if you do come across one, you know, don't disturb them, but but absolutely enjoy their beauty because they are stunningly beautiful creatures. They're also one of the most northern, I think they are the most northern uh, viper species on the planet. Okay, so incredibly adaptable. Most yeah. vipers want hot weather, and they're yeah. up here in in the UK. And sadly, their numbers have declined rap- uh, yeah. dramatically, haven't they? And that's why you're less likely to see an adder now than you were twenty or thirty but, yeah, years ago. Typically, even if you were to find one, you'd have to you'd have to go quite some distance to to get them to bite you. The only way people tend to get bitten is people like me if you go looking for them people put like um like ecologists will put bits of corrugated yes. metal or felt down to try and you see corrugated a good habit, um, sheets down in the on the nature reserves yeah quite it's called a refugia lot, yeah it's like man-made habitat yeah. and it's for, supposed to help them boost Warm their numbers and, and stuff yeah. like that and you know if you go and stick your hand under it and take them by surprise that they might bite but i think i think dogs get bitten occasionally because things. they're rushing around in the bracken and what have you and and they'll they'll surprised them yeah, or whatever but in but, general really not an aggressive snake at all and they are beautiful they are stunning my my friend josh has, has taken a lot of photos taken some fantastic of them pictures. in hampshire yeah. and the diversity of their color is, they are is stunning. incredible um so yes yeah, so that's adders so leave them alone as well please <laughs> this is just a defending defending <laughs> yeah. wildlife episode we are, we are defending everything even gulls i had got rats down here as well Probably not a subject that people want to listen to, but they again a misconception about the fact that rats are dirty and spread disease, and and actually that's a big misconception. They're actually very clean animals, very intelligent. They definitely don't spread disease. They're now even thinking that they weren't even responsible for bubonic plague and the spread of disease back in the 1300s. They believe actually now that that was our our very poor hygiene and our unsanitary unsanitary conditions that we lived in back in those and days fleas. we were covered in fleas and they think that um you know we actually spread most of the plague and this is like the, the badger and the cow essentially yeah 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 exactly they're that. also yeah they're, they're great i mean southampton being a city we have rats and around the campus there are um 
they must have an underground network because in between like paving slabs their heads will pop up and then disappear and so they must have a whole network underground yeah. and they're brilliant and there's this thing about you're never more than nine feet away from a rat it's absolute rubbish it's total rubbish oh actually on that on that last last thing going back to spiders the idea that you eat somebody's doing some drilling in the background hopefully it doesn't come down the microphone the idea that you eat eight spiders a year in your sleep that that was the other thing i want to talk about why why I, I just want to. I just want. <laughs> Who started that? I just want to say that most animals have evolved very carefully not to die. Yeah. And so crawling into an animal's mouth at night is not a good way to go about doing that. <laughs> I wonder where that myth started. So, so the idea that we ate probably animals, the Sun newspaper yeah. again. <laughs> the idea that we ate spiders a year in our sleep is just baffling because there's no way a spider is going to crawl into a mammal's mouth at night and think this is a good idea. No, I, so I, I, yeah, please I don't worry that. about eating spiders <laughs> at night. Um, if there's one in the corner of your room and it disappears in the morning, you haven't eaten it. <laughs> It's probably gone somewhere else. So I just I forgot. It's probably about gone that. off to find food, hasn't it? Yeah, that's I forgot the, about that until you mentioned yeah. you're no longer you're never more than nine yeah, people. Because no, that's it's that sort rubbish. of thing. You're not eating spiders at night, I promise yeah. you. Um and animals would not have lasted very long if they crawled into other animals' mouths at night. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Completely forgot about that, but another one that baffles me. Okay, well I'm I'm kinda done now. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kinda done. I think there's not so much to wrap up this time. Normally obviously we, we push uh, good organizations and this isn't sort of a topic that lends itself to that other than perhaps when it comes to the beavers and the badgers, I'll put some things in the show notes, the Beavers Trust, the Badger Trust, just so yeah, when it comes some, to the culling or the stuff. reintroduction and things like that, it can they, they provide really good information. I would thoroughly recommend you go and watch a few videos of beavers making dams and, and and their their homes underwater they're absolutely yeah, they are fantastic um, um, but other than that I, what's I've been, their home called a lodge a lodge yeah. yeah i've enjoyed having a little bit of a rant about yeah. how people view spiders yeah yeah i'm, I'm really pleased you've got that one yeah. off your chest now it's been brewing okay and um hopefully you enjoyed what's been quite an entertaining episode yeah, and I've, one that i've really enjoyed I've, reading about i've really enjoyed doing the research on that one and really enjoyed chatting oh, about sorry it. that was the last thing we'll do for the wrap-up go on when it comes to these articles that you do see in the newspapers giving, say, spiders have been the example, but any animal, a bad rep, the the best thing to do is just a really quick fact check. And you don't even need to go through the lines of, normally I would say, like, Google Scholar, scientific paper. It's not necessary. A quick Google of, are false widows dangerous? Do beavers eat fish? Are badgers spreading yeah. TB? You'll end up on the Natural History Museum yes, really website or yeah. a Wildlife Trust website. Yeah. So it might be Sussex Wildlife Trust or just one of those trusts. Just when, when you see these dramatic headlines, a really quick fact check before hitting share. Yeah. Because most of the time they're harmless, but sometimes it can result badger culling. And it can yeah. result in bad implications for wildlife. So just taking a quick second to think, is, is that true? And then trying to find a source that isn't a newspaper um, can be quite crucial in keeping our wildlife yeah. protected. That's that a good it. way to wrap it up. Yeah, uh, but that's the same with all topics, but yeah. this is just obviously wildlife yeah. specific. Good stuff. But cool, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. Bye-bye.